This message is brought to you by Moira Pentecostal Church. We hope that it will encourage, challenge, and inspire you in your walk with God. Isaiah chapter 40. And just one verse. The last verse, in fact, 31 of Isaiah 40. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now, whenever I was at school as a boy, our woodwork teacher uh, taught us always playing the wood with the grain, never against the grain. And here's a scripture that it would seem at surface level, anyway, looking at it, that it's going against the grain of spiritual things. The order of spiritual things usually is ascending. For example, we go from darkness to light. We go from death to life, from defeat to victory. We go from fear to faith. And that principle is even found in the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, Apostle Paul said, So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption, but it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, but it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, but it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, but it is raised a spiritual body. So ascending in order is the usual way. However, we see here in Isaiah 40, 31, that it's the opposite. It's descending. It goes from mounting up, away up there, mounting up with wings as eagles, to running and not being weary, and then right down to walking and not fainting. But the prophet got it right. For in reality, it is a greater feat to walk and not faint than it is even to rise up with wings as an eagle. Walking is such a daily thing. It is more constant, (laughs) consistent. It is called for more than any of of these three experiences. Every single day, day by day, week by week, year by year, you're called upon to walk and not faint. It wasn't when Peter was soaring with eagle's wings on the Mount of Transfiguration that he felt like fainting. Sure it wasn't. It was never he was walking when he wasn't away up there, but he was down there on the floor in the valley. Whenever he was asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane during the time when he should have been praying, It's whenever he was at the trial of Jesus and he was fearful and denied the Lord. That's when he was fainting. It wasn't when John the Baptist was on eagle's wings when the crowds and the masses were coming to him for baptism. He didn't feel like fainting then. He was running with the vision. It's when he was put in jail. 
It's whenever he began to doubt his whole ministry did he ever get it right in the first place. Art thou he that should come or do we look for another? That's when he was fainting, when he was walking. It wasn't whenever Moses was soaring like an eagle in Mount Sinai when the finger of God was writing the Ten Commandments on stone. When the glory and the power of God was such that the whole mountain was trembling. He didn't feel like fainting then. It's whenever he was walking through the wilderness those 40 years with a, a rebellious, disobedient, groaning and moaning congregation of over a million people. That's when he felt like fainting. That's when he got angry. That's when he struck the rock instead of speaking to the rock. There's no temptation to faint when you're mounted up with eagle's wings. There's no temptation to faint when you're running with the vision and you've got momentum and everything's going well and you're seeing progress and everything's multiplying and prospering. There's no thought of fainting then. It's when you're walking. It's in the ordinary, every day, step by step, daily walk with Christ. That's when the temptation is to faint. But the Bible says we're to walk and not faint. That's why it takes faith to walk this walk. We walk by faith and not by sight. It takes faith to walk out this daily walk with Christ. Paul knew what it was like to have those times when he was mounted up on eagle's wings. Was he not caught up into the third heaven and saw things that was unlawful for him to utter to another human being? Can you imagine the experience, the high of that experience there must have been? And yet, amazingly, he couldn't tell anybody about it. Can you imagine if somebody left you 10 million pounds, but the proviso was that you couldn't tell anybody about it and you couldn't spend it? You just knew that you had it. How frustrating would that be to you? You'd be bursting to tell somebody, but you don't. And that's what happened to the Apostle Paul. He was running with a vision. He conducted great missionary journeys that bore much fruit and raised up churches. But he had also a lot of walking and not fainting to do. He had a lot of stuff to go through. He spent two weeks in a storm on a sinking ship. He knew what it was like to be flogged, to be beaten, to be whipped, to be imprisoned, to suffer. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he mentions some of the stuff that he went through. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 22. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak of a fool, as a fool. I am more. See, Apostle Paul, <laughs> this church was very dear to his heart. Had a great relationship with this church, but he'd been away for a while, and others had come in and said, who is this Apostle Paul? Who is he? And so Paul had to write back and say, well, I feel very foolish having to talk this way, but just to put it into perspective, 
I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews and so forth. Then he says, I speak as a fool. I am more. And labors more abundant. And stripes above measure. And prisons more frequently. And deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I've been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, and beside the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches." I'm out of breath even saying that. That was some daily walk, wasn't it? He wasn't always caught up into the third heaven. <laughs> there was days when he was battered and he was bruised. And he felt knocked down, he says, but not knocked out. When he was stoned and imprisoned. We walk... By faith, not by sight. We walk and not faint. Ever noticed when it comes to the essentials of the Christian life, it's usually described as a walk. As a walk. Our calling in Christ, our Christian life, in other words, is a walk. Ephesians 4 and 1. You don't need to turn to these. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. This call in Christ that all of us have as believers, we're to walk it every day and we're to walk worthily, rightly. Little Samuel, when he was just a little boy, when God called him from that moment until he died, he had a daily walk with the Lord. And the Bible says that not one of his words fell to the ground. He walked so close to the Lord. And it was a daily thing from a little lad. Some of you can't remember when you were born again. It's lovely if you can say, well, on Saturday night and such and such a date and such and such a year. But some of you, it was that long ago when you were children, you can't actually remember the day or the hour, but you know it happened because your life has proven it because you've changed. And from that day to this, you're still walking every day with the Lord. And that's the best testimony. I know we get excited about people's, we say that, it, I said, we all said they have a great testimony. We heard all that they did in the past, and then God wonderfully saved them. But what about the person who followed Christ from a child? Who didn't fill around with all that stuff in the world. Who didn't mess up their life. That's a great testimony of the saving grace of Christ, of the keeping grace of Christ. And some of you in this place, I look at some of these young ones here, from the day they were born, they were here. And they didn't go off into the world. They stayed true to the Lord. Amen. That's a great testimony. 
our conduct. Ephesians 4, 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their minds. Our lifestyle is very, very important. It's important to us. It's important to our family. It's important to God. But it's important to the world out there who watches us. One thing the world doesn't like is a hypocrite. Isn't that so? They would rather you be all out for the Lord. They may slag you. They may laugh at you. But secretly they admire that. Then this business of saying, I'm a believer. And then you live like the devil. They can see right through that stuff. So our lifestyle is a daily walk with the Lord. And it ought to be different. If our lifestyle hasn't changed, I question, do we really know Christ? Truly, honestly, our lifestyle has to change. Because if we're not changed, then did anything happen? Did we really put our trust in Christ? Are we really a believer? Because if we are, something has changed. And it will be self-evident that it's changed. People will see the change. I'm not talking about some kind of false piety and some kind of false lifestyle. I'm talking about genuine, everyday, day by day. Yes, we can still sin. Yes, we can make our mistakes. But we humble ourselves before God. We ask for forgiveness. We get up again and we go on. But that's not our propensity to do that. That's not our lifestyle doing that. Our lifestyle is in Christ, day by day, day in, day out. Ephesians 5 and 2 talks about our love. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and gave himself for us. It's a big challenge, isn't it, to walk in love? To love your enemies. That's a tough one, isn't it? You can't really do that in your own strength. Sure you can't. Because in your own strength, you want to smack them. <laughs> in your humanity, that's what you feel like. But the love of God in our heart helps us not to do that and not even to want to do that. Bless those who are your enemies. Pray for those who you are your enemies. It's hard to hate somebody or desire vengeance on somebody if you pray for them, isn't it? It's very hard to do both. Something's got to give. It's not easy. Who said it would be easy? We need the help of the Holy Spirit to give us the strength to do this. 1 John 2, 9-11 says, He who says that he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause of stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I know a brother and, and I've, I've told him umpteen times that another Christian did something against him, which wasn't right. But he ended up hating that person with a passion. And I told him, this is wrong. This is not right. Don't hate the person. You can't hate them and claim to be a believer. But, but, but. I said, no buts. 
But you don't know. It doesn't matter whether I know or don't know. That's irrelevant. The fact is, he's a brother in Christ. You're a brother in Christ. You have no right to hate him, no matter what he has done. I don't know if that's ever been resolved, ever. I doubt it. Because he still holds on to that bitterness and anger. And it's not right. It's not right. He who says that he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. And stumbles. No wonder they stumble because they're walking in darkness. Ephesians 5 and 8 talks about walking in the light. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Walk as children of light. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. I know it's a cliche, but it's the truth. The world doesn't read the Bible. The world reads us. What they're going to, the impressions they're going to get of Christianity is not going to come from the Bible because they don't read it. It's going to come from us because they read us. We're the ones that we work with. We're the ones we live beside. We're the ones who's part of the family. So guess what? It's us they look at. And their impression of Christ and Christianity is going to come from us. Nobody else but us. You say, well, that's not fair. <laughs> that's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. That's the way that it is. So therefore, we have got to let our light shine before men, Jesus said, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. How are they going to do that? By us letting our light shine. By them seeing us and seeing the light of God in us. 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. You shall walk and not faint. We've got to walk in love. We've got to walk in light. Our lifestyle, our conduct has got to reflect Christ. We're not perfect. Yes, we'll blunder. Yes, we'll make mistakes. And yes, we'll sometimes fall and sin. But that's not our lifestyle. Our lifestyle is to follow Christ and let his light and life reflect through us. That's what we are aiming for. Amen. And if we do that, then there's no question about it. People will see the love of God and the light of Christ in us if we live that way. Wisdom. Ephesians 5.15, walk in wisdom. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. See that you walk circumspectly. See that you walk correctly, rightly, properly. Why? Because, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And so we have an obligation, we have a duty. If you want to put it into stark terms like that, we don't like those terms, but that's the truth. We have an order from the Lord, we have commandments. We are to walk this way for Christ's sake. How do we do that? We do it through the grace of God. 
We do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. We walk in good works, Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We know that good works doesn't save us. But from the moment you get saved and born again, then good works follows. It flows from that experience. So we walk in good works. We do what is good and right and proper. That's Christ exalting. And if we do that, then we are walking in good works. And we're to walk and not faint. Let us not grow weary, Paul says in Galatians 6, 9. Let us not grow weary while doing good. Why would you grow weary in doing good? Hmm? Did you ever think about that? Why would you grow weary in doing good? Because not everybody's going to appreciate you doing good. Not everybody's going to thank you for doing good. Not everybody's going to notice when you do good. And when you combine all of those things, there's a tendency to grow weary. Am I making a difference? Does it matter to anybody? Does anybody care? Does anybody want to stop and say thank you? No. But you keep on going. You walk and not faint. You keep on doing good. Why? For in due season, we shall reap if we do not faint. New King James says, if we do not lose heart. You keep on keeping on. You keep on doing all you know to do and all you can do. Whether people are, whether they thank you for it or whether they even notice it, doesn't matter. You keep on doing it. Because God will make sure that one day you will reap if you do not faint. God keeps meticulous records. You know that next week you could get blessed for something you did a year ago that you have long since forgotten about. You just did it. It was there to be done. You did it. Never even thought about it, but God marked it. And now maybe next week, say next Wednesday, that's your due season. And you'll wonder, how did that, well, how did that happen? Where did that come from? Well, God just decided you had sown, now it's time to reap. So listen, in a way that all your reaping that's ahead of you is a result of all the sowing that you've done behind you. And you don't have to remember it all. You don't even have to wonder about it. You did it as unto the Lord. He'll make sure your due season will come and you'll be blessed. And boy, you will be blessed. We walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5.16 Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit. Every single day of our lives, because the Holy Spirit lives in us, where God teaches that. He's the comforter. He's the one called alongside to help us. He's the one who's with us. Christ is in the glory. He's not here physically, but he didn't leave us comfortless, he said. He says, I'll send my spirit, one just like me. He'll not be with you, he'll be in you. So every day of our lives, we have the Holy Spirit to help us to walk, to walk like Christ, to walk as a true believer. How do we do that? By the help of the Holy Spirit. He is in us, helping us to do that very thing.
So we walk and we do not faint. Everything we are in Christ, everything we do for Christ entails a walk, a daily, consistent, day-by-day, step-by-step walk. So you get used to that idea because that's the way that it works. Yes, there will be times whenever we'll soar with wings as eagles. Yes, there are times we'll be running with a vision, not fainting or not growing weary because we'll have a great momentum going. We've all had those occasions, but the vast majority of our time will not be that. It will be walking and not fainting. I never did read the book, but Warren Wearsby wrote a book. I thought it was a great title, In Praise of Plotters. I must get that book and read it title intrigues me and praise of plotters are you a plotter there's nothing wrong with being a plotter you know that means you keep on keeping on keeping on keeping on that's what God's looking for in these days he's not looking for people who's like like meteors and they brighten up the sky for a, a few moments and then they disappear he wants the people who are faithful who continually walk and continually walk in the Lord All during our walk, it is by faith and not by sight. What is walking by faith mean? When it comes to talking about faith, uh, I think sometimes we, we get the impression that our faith is in our faith rather than in the object of faith, which is Christ. And if our faith is simply in our faith, then I tell you, we'll not get very far. And we'll fail often. Because we'll live on how we feel about our faith. Now, I read a, an illustration which I thought was very good, and I'll give it to you. It's a fellow called Mike Cain. I think he's a Church of England vicar. And his little book I was reading recently, and, and, he, and he said this, which I thought was, was a good way of putting it. He said, imagine that, that you and I were, were standing, it's wintertime, we're standing at the edge of a frozen pond. And we've got skates on. That's what you have to really use your imagination here. You've got skates on, and we, we want to skate in that pond. Now, you have absolute faith that that ice is thick enough. Me? I'm not so sure. I'm wondering. Do you think? But you say to me, come on. Come on. Use your faith. And so the two of us, after a wee bit of deliberation, the two of us get onto the ice Question, who is the ice going to hold up? You or me? It's a daft question, isn't it? Because either the ice will hold both of us up because it's thick or it's too thin to hold either of us up. So whether your face away up there and my face here, in a sense, it doesn't really matter. It's the thickness of the ice. 
No matter how much faith you've got, if that ice is not thick enough, it's going to crack, isn't it? Christ is strong enough to hold us up. He will not crack. We take a step of faith. We step out onto him. He's the object of our faith. Will he hold us up? Absolutely. Is he strong enough? For sure. Will he crack under pressure? Not a chance. I may have just a little faith. I may be touching it with my toe. But as soon as I step out onto it, it'll hold me up because it's thick enough. It'll hold you up. I'll hold anybody up that goes on it. We shall walk and we shall not faint. Have you been walking and feeling like fainting? Have you been struggling a little bit? Have you been questioning where's my faith? He's strong enough. He's big enough. Put your trust in Him. Step out in Him. Walk in Him and you'll not faint. You'll go through. You'll get to the other side. You'll make it strongly because it's in Him. Amen? Now that was short this morning because we're going to pray. Because I want to encourage you today. Because I know that when you go through something that, that lasts a long time, you get weary and you get tired. And you almost forget about those times you have mounted up with wings as eagle and you had run and not be weary. Now you're walking and you're thinking, this is a long walk. Boy, this is every day I've got to walk this out. Yes. But you're not going to faint. You're going to keep walking and walking and walking until you get the answer, until the need is met, until Christ brings you right through. And then you can mount up with wings as eagles. <laughs> then that feeling of victory and joy and rejoicing will come. But right now, you just got to keep walking. You just got to keep walking. You got to keep trusting. You got to keep stepping out in that ice because it's thick enough. He'll hold you up. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Bless the Lord. Let's just take a moment together. And just in the quietness of this moment, just look into your heart. Say, Lord, where am I? Am I in this walk? It's long. Can't see the end of the road. But I'm still walking. I'm still trusting, I'm still believing. 
You shall walk and not faint. Lord, some of us here today have had a long walk. Some of us, Lord, have forgotten those times when we mounted up with wings as eagles. We ran and we weren't weary. Now, Lord, it's a walk, a long walk. Sometimes the road is difficult, steep, hard to climb. But we're walking by faith and not by sight. And we're going to walk and not faint. We're not going to give up or give in. We're not going to lie down. Or we're going to trust you completely. Because you're big enough and strong enough to hold us. So Lord, I pray for those today who are struggling in their adversity. They're struggling, Lord, in, in, in what's before them. What they're going through. I pray, Lord, that you would encourage that you would strengthen their inner man. Lord, that you would bless, that you would lift up. Lord, that they would feel the strength and the comfort and the grace of our God. Lord, that they would know the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would strengthen them with might in the inner man. Lord, that they would sense, Lord, your presence that they would know, Lord, that you will not fail them. That your promises are still good and they're true. And Lord, by faith in you, we will overcome. And we will win this battle of life. And we will walk and not faint to the glory of God. Hallelujah. So Lord, I pray, Lord, for your strength, Lord, for each and every one of us. Lord, as believers... Lord, as ones who believe you, Lord, your promises are great today. Every promise of God is yes and amen in Christ. We thank you for all of them that apply to us today. And Lord, we rejoice in your goodness and in your favor. So Lord, bless and strengthen them today. And may they leave this place encouraged. And may they know the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, it will bring them right through on the other side. So we give you thanks, Lord, for this. In Jesus' name. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more messages like this one, visit us online at www.mpc.org.uk. You will also find a selection of informative videos at youtube.com forward slash Moira Pentecostal.